Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Now, for those of you who regularly listen to the show, you know it is very important to us to raise the bar of the common level of horsemanship. In doing so, we like to educate and expose our listeners to some of the greatest horsemen in the world and amazing educational opportunities. Now, Jonathan Field was featured in episode 17 of the 2018 season. Jonathan has two amazing clinics coming up in March in California. The first clinic, Course 1, will be March 9th through 11th, followed by Course 3, March 16th through the 18th. Now, Jonathan limits his clinics to only a handful of riders, so there's a great chance these courses will fill up quick. If you cannot get into the clinic, however, Jonathan offers a more than reasonable price of $25 a day for spectators and is doing a deal of $60 if you pay for all three days. Now, both clinics will be hosted at Marsh Creek Stables, located in Brentwood, California, at 24670 Marsh Creek Road. I can speak from firsthand experience in telling you that this is an incredible facility. There's both indoor and outdoor riding arenas that will be included in the clinic. Feel free to bring a chair, pad, or blanket for comfort while watching the clinic. Additionally, there will be coffee and food on site available for purchase. Now, Marsh Creek Stables is located only a few minutes from town, which gives you access to additional dining and hotels. All clinic days will start at about 8 a.m. and finish around 5 p.m. Now remember, we're all on horse time, so they will dictate when it's time to turn it in for the night. For additional information on this amazing opportunity, I encourage you to visit jonathanfieldhorsemanship.net or email info at jonathanfield.net. I encourage you all to come out and enjoy this amazing opportunity to learn from Jonathan Field. We look forward to seeing you all there, and we're going to have a great time. Now, let's get on to this week's episode. Our guest this week is J.D. Steffen of Hot Tamale Horsemanship out of South Dakota. Now, this was a pretty interesting interview, and listening back through it, you'll hear kind of a cyclic pattern that replays itself through JD's life. He finds interest in something, explores it, but it doesn't really fill a void that's within him. Now, JD demonstrated the passion and tenacity to find horsemanship, and after taking a chance on a pretty incredible opportunity, he's turned the corner in the most positive way in his horsemanship career. Now, it's interesting in listening back to JD giving his testimony. You know, when he talks about some of the hard times or some of the difficult times in his life, you can just kind of hear the weight and the heaviness in his voice. And once he starts talking about horsemanship and some of the leaps and the bounds that he made in his own development, I mean, the tone of his voice completely changes and you start to hear some of the fire and the passion in him. Now, as awkward as it is to listen to yourself on a podcast, JD, I sure hope you listen to this. I'm proud of you, bud. The journey in which you traveled, the chance that you took on this podcast, and stepping over some of your own personal hurdles to come on this show is most commendable. You embody exactly what this show is all about. Trying to find a way to get a little bit outside of your comfort zone and push the envelope of development. Now, should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. I hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is J.D. Steffen. JD, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Hey, before we get uh, too deep into anything, I just want to thank you very much on behalf of everybody at Let Freedom Reign Podcast for making some time for us and sharing your testimony and your insight and kind of how the horses influenced your life. And if you don't mind, let's just jump right into it and tell folks a little bit about yourself and, and hot tamale horsemanship. 
You know, I'm J.D. Steffen. I was born and raised in a little town in Gregory, South Dakota. I guess I wouldn't say that I was really grew up around horses. You know, it's kind of a rural community, but I never really got into it until I was a little older. You know, I grew up going wrestling calves at Brandings and that sort of thing, but never really got into the horses until a little later on in life and uh, just kind of skyrocketed from there. I started wrestling in about kindergarten. I wrestled all the way up until my junior year of high school. I didn't wrestle, and then I wrestled half of my senior year. It's just kind of one of those things that I did because my my parents wanted me to, and my dad had always done it. And, um, I was real self-conscious. I was kind of a, a bigger kid and just got real nervous and shy kind of in bigger crowds like that and didn't really excel very good in it just because I my head wasn't there and I didn't want to be into it but uh, I did that and then after high school I kind of grew up kind of racing dirt bikes and going fast and loud and everything else so that's kind of where I thought I wanted to go so after high school I went to college for one year to be a small engine mechanic and spent a year doing that and just still wasn't quite where I wanted to go and kind of really thinking I wanted to go be the the real working cowboy that you see on movies and stuff so I decided after college that that wasn't for me that I wanted to be a mechanic anymore so I come back home and I worked for my dad for about a month or so and just kind of got in a funk and didn't didn't know where I wanted to be for sure in life and kind of decided that maybe this is my chance to go be a cowboy so I packed up and moved out to Wyoming for my first cowboy job and I was out there. It was kind of a an over the phone deal. I never went and looked at it or anything, and it was just everything I wanted. And I packed everything up and I moved out there. And it wasn't quite what I wanted it to be. I was only out there a month and um, didn't get along with the manager very good. And ended up packing up there and then moving back to Nebraska to a different ranch and worked on a big outfit down there. Uh, we run about twenty five hundred head and. You know, that was my dream job, you know, just being a cowboy. You know, it wasn't so much about the horsemanship at that time. It was just kind of the novelty of the cowboy that you see on the TV. And so I was there for about a year then, and then I packed up and I moved to a place a little closer to home on another outfit where I was cowboying and then doing some feeding too. And uh, worked there for about a year and a half just trying to get all the experiences I could, you know, and living the dream and wanting to travel around, see everyone else did it and just gain all kinds of experience. And so after that place, I went to another ranch just right on the border of South Dakota and Nebraska. And I worked there for a while and kind of same thing, just stay there till I found something different and uh, started traveling around. By this time, I was about 21, just turning 21. And got into partying pretty hot and heavy, just like any other 21-year-old would. And like I say, I was always kind of self-conscious and a little bit shy and a little reserved with a, with a bigger group of people. But with a smaller group of people, you know, I felt kind of at home and whatever else. But I'd start partying, and, you know, that's kind of where I really felt at home. You know, I'd always a pretty good dancer, so I always had 
girls coming up to ask me to dance and had a big group of fans and, you know, just having a great time and, you know, cowboying during the day and partying at night. And Man, I just thought I was on top of the world. I had all kinds of friends and girls dancing and just living life. And uh, I ended up meeting a girl and we dated for just a short while. She had a little boy when we started dating. And so I kind of took a pretty hard left turn to kind of grow up and take some responsibility and we dated for a while and so at this point I'm I'm riding colts and working for a local rancher part-time and you know just kind of doing the adult thing you know just kind of making ends meet and doing what I had to do to survive and I was starting to kind of get into a funk you know is this really what I wanted you know I always wanted to travel and see some country and you know how am I ever going to learn anything being stuck here in the same little town that everyone is at about that time our our relationship started getting a little bit rocky and just wasn't really happy anymore. And, you know, just kind of living day to day and we ended up splitting up. And that was at that time that I went back to, you know, partying pretty hard, you know, just trying to fill voids of what I'd lost. You know, I grew pretty attached to her little boy there for the amount of time that we did have. So we go back to partying pretty hot and heavy. And, you know, that's where I felt where I was secure again and I was with all my friends and really cheered up and happy and go lucky. And uh, it was one night I wanted to do something. I was just, I was tired. I was uh, kind of cranky all the time, you no know, partying all night long. And I go to the bar one night and I'm sitting there and just kind of in my little funk again. And you now I'm like, man, is this really what I want? And I called a friend, you know, a few days later, you know, let's go hang out or go do something productive, you know, let's not just party all the time. And you know, now everyone's all hung over or they don't want to go out and do nothing. Like, oh, we'll see you tonight. We'll hang out tonight. And after that time I spent with my girlfriend at the time and little boy, you know, growing up, it's like, you know, there's a lot more to life than just partying. Yeah, absolutely. So that's when I kind of started realizing like, man, you know, I I thought all these guys were my friends and that's the only time they want to hang out is at the bar or partying. And, you know, that just wasn't me anymore. And, you know, I'm starting to kind of like, well, to heck with you guys. You know, I don't want to hang out with you. So now I'm kind of in a, a whole different funk to where now I just soon kind of be by myself and, you know, kind of on the verge of depression and, you know, angry. Uh, you know, genetically, I was kind of born with a pretty hot temper anyway. Um, I could always kind of manage it pretty good, you know, if there's people around. But if I was by myself, you know, I'd kind of come come off the handle and. I'd get pretty hot, and at this point now, you know, I'm by myself, halfway fighting depression, just irritated at anything, you know, something so simple that just, looking back now, is so stupid that I would just fly off the handle with, and I'd start hitting stuff or throwing stuff and just get red in the face that I just couldn't handle it anymore, and, and uh, you know, I was really starting to show with my horses, um, you know, I'm still riding colts, kind of part-time, just something to do, and um, make a little extra money on the side and and you know it was really starting to show with that kind of stuff that you know I'd take it out on the horse and you know they'd be scared for their life you know all this new stuff happening and now this guy's all sorts of mad and after me and I don't know what I'm supposed to do and and I would take it out on him and so it just it really started escalating quick and I was starting to get more depressed and more irritated and I just didn't know where I wanted to go you know I've I was living this cowboy life that I'd always dreamed of 
and I just didn't know, didn't know where I was supposed to go from here. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't enjoy school. I didn't want to go back to school to try learning something else. Um, that's all I knew how to do. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, you know, where am I supposed to go with this? And I just felt like I was in a hole and like, man, that's going to be the rest of my life. I'm just going to be a grouchy old man, beat up, can't walk, can't move. And, uh, I was always studying, you know, with all these different ranches that I've moved to and worked on, I was constantly studying, you know, how to handle cattle better or how to handle my horses better. And the more I progressed with it, the more interested I come in, in with my horsemanship rather than just the, the cowboy inside of it. Um, you know, that was always my dream to be a working cowboy and roping and cattle and doctoring cattle and everything. But as more I progress, the more interested I come in, become with these horses. And so I'm constantly reading books or studying videos and learning this stuff. And I was, I was pretty crude when I first started riding Colts, you know, it was kind of old school and you saddled up and away you went and you didn't think about it. You know, it was, they bucked and you rode it out and then you were good to go without any thought behind for the horse, you know? And, uh, as it progressed, I had, uh, started getting into some ranch bronc riding a little bit, you know, just kind of being the whole cowboy thing to do. And I was never a real good bronc rider either, mostly because I was just scared. <laughs> and after, you know, four or five concussions, I was like, man, there's gotta be kind there's of an easier be a better way. way to do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, that's kind of where it all stemmed that I was, I was getting, in my little groove to where, you know, I'm going to be a crippled up old man and just not going to be able to do this for very long. And so I started studying, um, reading these books, watching videos, buying DVDs, all kinds of stuff, and just kind of pilling here and there and just kind of become more addicted to it and trying to make better horses every one I started. So you talk about, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground as far as your history and your progression and your horsemanship, and we're kind of getting into the meat and potatoes of stuff, but before we get into stuff too deep, I want to kind of go back and revisit a few things sure. in, in your statement. And you talk about in listening to your story, it seems like there's this kind of common theme of never quite being satisfied, right? You try something right. out like the wrestling, right? It just wasn't for you. And you go off and do the school thing for a little bit. It wasn't for you. Go back and work for your dad. It wasn't for you. It, now being at the, the point you are in life and looking back on those moments, can you think of, or was there something that you think might have been a motivating factor or, or a hurdle that you just couldn't get over that, that wouldn't let you latch onto something? Um, you know, I think it was just something that, you know, I, I knew somewhere, like I had a real passion for something, but I didn't, I didn't know what it was at the time. And so I was just kind of experimenting with all kinds of different stuff. You know, I had talked about riding dirt bikes all the time. You know, all my friends had dirt bikes and that's how we spent a lot of our time. You know, we'd go out racing and riding and whatever else and so i'm like oh yeah you know this is what i i like doing this is what i'm gonna do and that's where i come up with school you know like oh yeah i can go be a mechanic and um i can work on my own stuff i can you know it'd be a good income it's you know everyone's got stuff that needs worked on and you know, i can do that from home and just kind of that that freeness of kind of being your own boss like, man you could start up a business pretty easy with that you know lawnmowers four-wheelers all kinds of stuff and i just I never knew, I mean, I wasn't passionate about it, but that was, you know, what I did. And I'm like, well, that's, that's what I got to do. And then in continuing through your journey, you know, you talk about this desire and wanting to be a cowboy and then 
kind of you revisit the same pattern, right? You, you work in an outfit in Wyoming and then Nebraska and then a little bit closer to home. What yep. was, I mean, what was the progression there as far as, as far as, you know, you talk about wanting to be a cowboy and you're getting this opportunity and, and obviously there was a void that wasn't getting filled, right? What do you think that was or where do you think that came from? Um, so between the, my junior and senior year of high school, the summer between, I kind of started, I would say, I guess, started my first cult and uh, just hanging out with some friends. Um, a guy that had worked for my dad, he'd rode a lot of horses and, you know, I was always kind of interested in it, interested in it as a little kid, but never really had the opportunity to just to dive into it. Um, but there was always that tick with it that I was just real interested in it. And so I started hanging out with this guy between my junior and senior year, and I started my first colt, and we started riding after work and playing with these horses. And like I say, that's when it was pretty old school, and we'd, we'd get on and we'd go. And I thought, man, this is the life, you know, the real cowboy stuff. And so that's where I think that kind of stemmed from, and that's where I got a little more interest in that. And so that kind of progressed, and then it was time for going to school, and now I'm like, well, there's no, there's no money to be made being a cowboy. Um, you know, I'm trying to make my mom and dad happy, go to school, you know, get your education and make money. You know, kind of the cowboy thing was a thing of the past and, you know, not a whole lot of money to be made. And after then going to school and realizing that's really not what I want to do, I'm like, you know, why not try this cowboy thing out? You know, even if it's just for a couple of years or whatever and, you know, just get your toes in the water. At least you'll get to see some different scenery for a while. Yeah, it's interesting in listening to your story. I mean, to me and listening uh, to the journey that you've traveled, I mean, your life seems to be a, an epitome of patience, right? The life lesson of patience. Right. You know, you tried going down one road, didn't work. Tried going down another road, didn't work. And I, I think for me, patience and grace are kind of the two greatest lessons that the horse has given me. And right. uh, I just wonder if, if any of that resonates with you and your journey with horses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I kind of talked about after the breakup and losing my girlfriend and her little boy, you know, I just kind of become pretty sour. And, you know, I was starting to take it out on my horses, like I say, and just wasn't quite where I wanted to to be with it. You know, and then as the further along I progressed with my horsemanship and kind of quit worrying so much about the cowboy inside of it and worry more about my horses, you know, I start to notice some things kind of change to where, you know, I'm starting to understand that horse a little bit more and kind of seeing, seeing things through his eyes and setting it up in a way that he doesn't have to be scared. And that had really helped my patience and my temper because I would lose my temper and take it out on the horse. And then I just lost everything I'd ever gained with that horse. Absolutely. And I did want to touch on that when you were talking about you know, you being frustrated and, and taking your aggression out on these horses and it started to show in the horse. So for for you, was there a turning point or or what did you first see in the horse to make you realize that, hey, you got to go about business a little different? I had got a bunch of just kind of random DVDs, books, reading, and I come across a Buck Brandeman book one time and I started reading it and really become interested in that just kind of the way he went about things to where you know he really talks about understanding the horse and and causing a reason or having a reason to do what you do or why you do it and so I really started studying up on 
Buck Brandeman now and really becoming interested in his style. And at this point, you know, I'm looking to, I'm ready to go move again. Like I'm back home, you know, same old small town, nothing to do. So I start looking on the internet for places that might be hiring or someplace I can go that has a style of horsemanship. And I had come across a ton of them and they're all either super far away or super expensive to go and intern with them. And I just, it wasn't in the cards for me, but I come across this Dushnaw quarter horses right here in South Dakota. And they're about four and a half hours from me. And I called her up one day and kind of told her my story and they take in interns. And I called her up one day and kind of told her my story. Like, you know, I'm, I've been starting Colts for a while now. Um, cowboy on the side, just trying to further my education with my horsemanship and was wondering about your intern program. And she said, oh, yeah, we'd love to have you. And, you know, kind of same thing. She told me the prices and it was just it wasn't in the ballpark to to afford to go out there. And I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll think about it and I'll get back to you, knowing in my mind that, you know, it was going to be a long time before I could ever get the money saved up and to take that much time off work and not get paid to go out there. And it was we kind of left it at that. And it was a couple of days later that she had called me back and or she had messaged me on Facebook and just kind of asked me some questions, just kind of having a conversation. And she said, well, why don't you come out for the weekend and just see what you think? And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, here's a sales pitch, you know. So I'm like, oh, what the heck? It's not going to hurt anything. We set a date and I drive out there and they have this huge indoor barn. And just anything, everything I've pictured, they got a house on the one end of their barn. You look out their window and you're into the arena. And, you know, it's just picture perfect. And, and I meet Jen and Zach. Zach Dushnow, he's kind of their... Their fearless leader, we like to call him now, but he welcomed me with open arms. You know, from from the time I stepped out of my pickup, he is just one of the most confident, just nicest, genuine people you'll ever meet. And it just instantly felt like I was at home. And we kind of meet and talk just a little bit. And he said, well, let's play with some horses. I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. And uh, so we get out these horses and start playing around with them. And he said, well, I'm going to bring this horse in. And I'm not going to tell you anything about it. He says, start it just like you would at your home, at home. And I said, yeah, that'd be awesome. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, they're going to give me some 30-year-old plug that, you know, has had 10,000 rides on him and just trying to feel me out. I kind of play along with it and start playing with this horse. I get him saddled up, and he kind of frogs around just a little bit. Oh, you know, no big deal. I kind of play around with him and jump on and ride him and... I'm thinking, okay, yeah, you know, really impressed this guy riding this old plug and never had any issues with him. I step off and he proceeds to tell me, he says, that horse has had about 30 rides on him in the last 10 years. And I'm thinking, oh man, you know, you haven't even hardly seen me do anything and you're already putting me on stuff like this, you know, and, you know, it just kind of built my confidence right there that, you know, I knew he wasn't a rank bugger by any means, but the fact that he would allow me to just step on there. I thought that was pretty cool. And the following day we went and helped a bunch of neighbors move some cattle around and they put me on a different horse and we went and gathered cattle. And, you know, I was kind of expecting kind of micromanaging me a little bit. And, you know, I'm kind of the young punk kid that I was, you know, like they ain't going to tell me nothing. I don't know. I've been on this 
been doing this for years already and you know just kind of know it all kid and they just plumb left me alone and you know i i had an understanding uh you know how these cattle worked and everything so i mean it all worked out real well and i just thought man you know it a lot of these places, you know, they'd really get after you. and Like, these guys just must not really care too much, you know. But there's just something about the presence of everyone there. I mean, they're just so gung-ho. And, I mean, make your own decisions. If you if you fail, you fail. If not, get up and try again. So then the, that afternoon, he asked if I wanted to work with another colt. And I said, yeah, sure. He brings me in. This is a little Palomino filly. And it was something that was kind of off their program just a little bit. Um, they raise a lot of horses, and their their goal is to breed for docility first and then performance later. So they're real big on these gentle horses. Well, this one was kind of an accident-type deal and then never really got handled, so she was kind of a, a little troubled case. And he kind of did the same thing as he did the first day. You know, he just turned me loose with it. And, you know, he'd kind of help me out if he'd see something that he might would change just a little bit. But he never really picked on me or just just the way he worded things really boosted my confidence so we worked with that colt just a little bit and then he showed me some of the stuff that he does and i just you know one of the handiest guys i've ever seen and i'm just in awe and i'm soaking in everything he's showing me and i hadn't really seen him work any horses up until this point he just kind of let me do my thing and so some of the stuff that he's showing me that i was having trouble with this horse that i mean he had fixed in just a matter of minutes you know and I just, man, that was really cool. And it was the morning I was to leave, he wanted me to go meet his mom. And they called her Granny. And she, they, her house was just down the road a little ways. And so we were going to go eat breakfast. And we met Granny and we visited and talked for a while and got ready to go. And he says, no, I really appreciate you coming down here. And he says that if if it's okay with you, I would like to kind of use you as part of our marketing deal and you know tell people you're an intern he said you're welcome here anytime he says you are by far handier than we ever kind of expect you to be he says if we could afford it we'd put you on the payroll today and wow what an incredible opportunity oh right and you know and just to have so much confidence come from him you know and kind of lift me up you know it almost brought me to tears that you know i just met this guy two days ago and that he has that much confidence in me and man that just lit a fire under me right now and so I started studying more how they do things and how Buck Brandman does things and that was that was kind of my turning point right there to you know building that confidence up and that's all it was was the confidence and you know they talk a lot about lifemanship at their place with these Colts you're always trying to set them up for success and you're building their confidence you don't want to dwell on their bad behavior you know just redirect it and build them up and they're going to start trying for you. They're going to put out the effort. And, you know, it all relates back to my own personal life. And so the more I study that, the more I kind of notice that kind of the changes in my life to where, you know, I'm handling my temper a little bit better, you know, kind of thinking things out a little bit more rather than just reacting to it. That's one thing you hear me talk about a lot with my program is the difference between reacting and responding with these cults. For like the term desensitize, I I hate the term desensitize. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it myself. To me, it's, you know, desensitize is a dull, unresponsive horse. And I need something, you know, if I'm out and roping a 2,000-pound bull, you can bet that I want my horse pretty aware and responsive to what's going on. And I don't want him just off in la-la land and not caring about anything. But I need him to 
respond to that rather than react to it. You know, that's where I feel a lot in my journey is working on my responding and my reacting. You know, take a step back, take a deep breath and figure out, okay, why is this happening and how can I fix it? I think you bring up a lot of good points. And the first is, is your experience there on the ranch, right? And you talk about everybody's presence and presence alone and how, how that was encouraging and, and how much of that ties into how we handle horses and, and our success with horses, you know, cause when you're down and out and you're stressed or you're frustrated or you're upset, right? All that is projected into your horse, every single bit of it. Right. And, and now you start talking about all the confidence that this family instilled in you and, and that's been my biggest pursuit in a lot of this horsemanship thing is how do you take those small itty bitty victories, but you make them a real big deal for your horse, you know? So they think yeah. they're on top of, on top of the hill and it's, you start stacking a bunch of these little itty bitty victories and start fostering a little confidence in the horse. It's pretty incredible. The journey that you guys can travel from there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Here this last summer, I got into a cult starting challenge in Ogden, Utah, and I had got into a couple of different challenges with a little different setup. Um, the ones I had done prior, they were, you know, had three and a half hours over two days or three days, whatever it was, to start this horse and ride him through an obstacle course. And I did a couple of those and, you know, I'm like, man, that's not where I want to be. You know, it's not doing it for the horse. It's kind of showing the people what I can do with a horse instead of what a horse will do for me. So I kind of ixnade the whole competitions um you know it wasn't something i was proud of well i come across this other challenge and you know read up on it did some research and it was a 60-day challenge to where we'd go out we'd pick up our colts we had a half hour to work them there and then we brought them home for 60 days and did our thing and so i'm like you know that doesn't sound too bad you know they're really looking out for the horse and and you know it'd be a good marketing deal for me to kind of get my name out there a little bit more and we got out there and we drew our horses and prior to drawing our horses, all of us trainers, I think there was 15 of us, all the colts were outside and we were going to bring them inside and we just kind of grabbed one or two of them and brought them in and this gal had led this little bay mare in and she was scared of her shadow and I mean didn't want nothing to do with anybody or anything and in the back of my head I'm thinking that's the colt I want because that one's going to challenge me and that horse is going to make an unbelievable amount of improvements. Yeah, there's um, so much room for growth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'll be darned if that wasn't the horse I drew. And I was I was tickled to death on the inside, but I was also scared to death because, man, this thing was bad. Yeah, you're going to have your work cut out for you. Yeah, absolutely. So in our first half hour, I I was trying to get my horse caught. We each had a half hour in the round pen, and, you know, there's people that were climbing on their horses bareback already, um, throwing tarps. I think one person even had him saddled and it comes my turn and I'm in here and I'm still trying to get a halter on my horse. And so now I'm just getting discouraged. Um, you know, there's all kinds of people watching. I'm like, man, this is just going to kill me. And like I say, I'm pretty self-conscious anyway. And, you know, really concerned with what people think of me. And, you know, I'm, it's been a ongoing battle and I get better each day, but you know, it's just really eating at me. And I've got a picture from that day I picked her up. She had reared up and struck at me. And I ended up getting a picture of her foot coming right towards my head. And for the freestyle portion of the challenge, I wanted to do something that really highlighted 
you know, what that horse will do for you. Uh, there was a lot of people that did different kinds of stuff, you know, shooting off their horse, mounted shooting, riding with flags, fireworks, the whole nine yards. And that was all really cool. I mean, there's all kinds of horsemanship that goes into that. But I wanted to portray more of, you know, kind of explain more of what it took to get to that point. And so mine wasn't quite as flashy as a lot of these other freestyles, but I've got a picture in the very same spot of the arena as where she stuck, come up and struck at me. I'm riding her across the teeter-totter blindfolded 60 days later with about, I only had, I think, 32 rides on her that it took me, it took me about two weeks to be able to, just to where she enjoyed being around me to get saddled on her. And, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff I, I really strive for is to, you know, build that trust and build that foundation. And them horses will give you confidence in yourself. They gain confidence and they will try their heart out for anything you ask of them. I think it's commendable on you because uh, with any of these timed events or, or timed challenges, right, where there's, whether it's tie down roping or, or, you know, a two or three day challenge, something that has a time constriction component to it. I think oftentimes the horse does take a back seat to that, right? Because you got oh, yeah. you only got so much time and you got to put on a show. And if you don't put on a show, then it ain't worth your while coming out. But I think that's where, and, and also going back to your quote unquote, you know, old school kind of cowboy mentality of riding horses out, is that this is where the change needs to take place with this horsemanship stuff. Is it the the old cowboy ways of past just, I mean, they did their job, but they, they weren't incredible, right? You're not setting that horse up for success. Right. You're, you're basically breaking the spirit of that animal, you know? And, and what I think is most exciting about this horsemanship stuff now is just the vast amounts of information to learn. It seems like every single day I'm hunting out more information and, and, and 10 times that amount of information is being released. I mean, I think we know very, very little about the horse given as much as we know to this point, you know, so it's exciting to see the changes in approach and how this this horse first mentality is kind of starting to become a lot more mainstream and and the incredible things that people are doing with these horses when when you put their thoughts and feelings and approach and all that stuff into mind and and for you wrestling and and a lot of people that have played team sports I mean we've all had those teammates right that walk into a locker room and you just you couldn't get further from them right they just right. They made you uncomfortable you didn't want to be around them they just had a piss poor attitude you know, and then you have these teammates that they walk into a locker room or onto the field or, or onto the mat, you know, and just everybody lights up, right? It's their presence and, and it instills confidence and and Absolutely. people take a liking to it. And so much of those approaches, I think, are applicable to today's horsemanship versus the sour, bitter teammate of the old cowboy generations of past, you know? Absolutely. It's just, it, it's it's exciting times for everybody, I think. I mean, there's so much to learn, and, and I think we are way, way farther down the road than than we were, you know, just maybe five, six, seven years ago. But it's it's exciting to see see where this ship is headed. And I know for you personally, right, you decided to make the jump, and, and you now own Hot Tamale Horsemanship. If you don't mind maybe kind of expanding on that and how you made the transition to, hey, I'm, I'm going to run my own deal and, and, and put a program together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that, it all kind of started, you know, after I, I left Dushnaz and it was just like a, a breath of fresh air. And, you know, I kind of had a fire lit under me. I'm like, man, this is, you know, I finally felt that passion that I've been looking for for so long. And, you know, I really want to do something with it. And so I'm taking on 
anything and everything I can for horses. You know, it didn't matter if it was, you know, 10 years old, never been touched or someone's old plug. You know, I wanted, you know, I just had that fire. It's all experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm going to fix this horse. And so I started taking on anything and everything I could and, you know, still cowboying on the side to keep that money coming in. I didn't have enough horses to, you know, go full time with it. And just the more I progressed and now, you know, have since become really good friends with Dushan. I was in this winter, I've been going back and forth, uh, helping them ride colts and then back home riding colts myself. And so, you know, if I ever have any questions, you know, I call Zach up and he just, he can talk to me and help me through it and, you know, taking in everything I could. And now I think it was 2015 is when I went full-time riding colts. I had finally kind of built a big enough name for myself that, you know, I could go full-time. I still do quite a bit of day work on the side, just kind of more or less give the colts a job to do. But the farther along I get with it, you know, I started, I had that fire to make these horses, but I was making kind of mechanical horses. You know, I was still kind of pushing their buttons just a little bit, you know, kind of making robots out of them. And the more I study this and the more I kind of learned about myself and my self-confidence, the more time I spend out to Zach and Jen's place, you know, I'm starting to get more of an understanding of why I'm doing these things and kind of have a reason and a purpose for it. And I've become more passionate towards the horse and having them as a teammate, like you said, I want to be that teammate that they all look up to and say, hey, I want to be with this guy. And so I'm trying to dump just as much confidence into them and build them up and support them. You know, I'm I'm surely not one of those type of people that my horse is such a sweet little boy and I'm going to give him all these treats. You know, I, I, I want respect, but I'm going to respect you back. But I'm not, I don't baby talk them and I don't, you know, really baby them, but I respect them, you know. And that's, I think, what really lit me up with Zach is that, I mean, he never talked down on me. He never baby talked me he didn't tell me what i wanted to hear you know he just built me up he told and you what you needed to hear exactly yeah and he did it he did it in a respectful manner you know you can get those people that you know kind of micromanage you and tell you what you need to hear but do it in kind of a rude way but the way he offers it to you i was gonna say and i think the great approach that zach took is is that you know you talk you talk about spoiling a horse and, and giving them treats and hugging on them and stuff like that i mean it, i equate that to the bratty child that gets everything that they want exactly right you could i think you could truly love these horses just like you love a human the wrong way and, and you spoil them and you and you you make them disrespectful and you make them dangerous absolutely and, and i think when you talk about Zach kind of just cutting you loose those first couple of days right and letting you do your thing I mean, sometimes you got to learn those lessons on your own and, and it sticks with you better than somebody that is pestering you and micromanaging you and, and controlling your every little movement, you know? And I think it's, I think it's, it's a huge opportunity in your story um, going out to that ranch for that weekend and, and really turn the tide for, for you and your horsemanship. Oh, absolutely. You know, I couldn't imagine where I would be now had they have not given me that opportunity. And I am thankful every day. And I was just talking to Zach earlier tonight, and I was just telling him that I'm looking forward to coming back out there, that it's just a, a breath of fresh air that I, I get home and I kind of get in this funk because, you know, I kind of lose that confidence in myself and I start questioning what I'm doing and, you know, why am I having trouble with this horse? And I'm starting to get frustrated again. And that's where I really got to, you know, kind of 
test myself and, you know, kind of take a step back and think, all right, let's just figure out why I'm having issues instead of what are the issues, you know? And I think it's it's cool, too. If you listen to yourself, right, you're the same exact individual that, that didn't go along with the wrestling and didn't go along with the mechanic school and didn't go along with the construction stuff, right? Same exact individual, but a small, small change in your perspective mentally ended up having this huge impact and this huge change in, in, in your approach to horses. I mean, you know, same guy that used to saddle them and just ride them out. And, and now you have a little bit more knowledge. You're a little bit more hungry. You're a little bit more mature. And, and you know, you're, you're, you're a wave rolling. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I say I've always been kind of standoffish, um, you know, kind of got pretty bad anxiety, you know, with bigger crowds of people. I had spent some time out in California last winter riding colts for a couple. And, you know, from a, a small town in South Dakota, you know, pretty naive. And, you know, our Walmarts here are, are nothing compared to places out there. And I remember going into town one day to get groceries. And I sat outside of, of Walmart for close to 45 minutes because there are so many cars out in the parking lot that my anxiety was through the roof that I just, I couldn't pull myself to walk in there with all those people. Yeah. And and that's where I really, you know, strive with these horses to be that confident leader and have them trust in me and it builds m- me up. I mean it almost fixes you in a way, right? Or it teaches it teaches you the life lessons that can fix you. Absolutely. And it's, you know, with that anxiety, you know, how how I can manage that rather than just sit there, sit out in my pickup and dwell on it like Oh, I don't want to go in there. I, I don't want to go in there. It's going to make me uncomfortable. And having all these thoughts going through my head of why I can't go in there. And that's where, you know, I've learned to manage that. Like, hey, you know, there are people just like we are. And there's not, I mean, they're no different than we are. We can go in and we can conversate with them. And I've taken it to a point to where when I meet new people, I've, you know, I, I really try to be compassionate and sincere and say, Hey, how you doing? And, you know, kind of go out of my comfort zone to help me out. And, you know, that's really boosted my confidence in public speaking and going out and, you know, I just did my first clinic here a week or so ago, you know, and there's a ranch roping clinic, correct? Correct. Yep. How'd that go for you? It was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, there was a lot of stuff learned. I learned some stuff myself and it was, I, really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It's kind of where I want to go with my career is kind of traveling around doing clinics and stuff like that. I think it's great when you get out and and ride with different circles of people and and different groups of people because there is just too much to this horsemanship thing to say that you know it all. Oh, yeah. And I try to stress to people when when I go out and and help them that, that I'm here to learn just as much from you as you are from me. Absolutely. There's so many. There's so many ways to it, and and you know sometimes you think you're doing a certain task or a certain skill a certain way, and you know maybe somebody brings something new to light, and you find a more effective way to do it. It doesn't. It shouldn't be so threatening, right? And discourage anybody from doing doing this horsemanship thing or trying hard at it. But but it should be a chance of, of encouragement, right? And I think that's where we need to focus on as society as a whole. Um, I'm all for competition, right? I'll compete as hard as I can absolutely with the next man. That being said, I think we need to focus a little bit more on on encouraging people, right? 
and building people up and instilling some of that confidence and taking a genuine care to 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 our brothers and sisters. Absolutely. You know, kind of talking about that ranch roping and and you know, picking each other up. I think the horse world is one of the best places for that. Um we just had a ranch roping competition out to Dushnaz earlier this fall and that was one of the coolest things I had ever been a part of that the same guys that you're competing against are on the outside of the panels, you know, giving you advice or helping you out when you need it, you know, and we're all competing for that same prize, you know, their little prize money and the trophy and everything else. But instead of kind of pulling you down or getting in your head, they're cheering you on. They want you to win just as much as they want to win. And it's just the culture of that is unbelievable. And that's, you know, kind of what I portray, want to portray into my horses along with, you know, every people or every person I meet throughout every day. Yeah, I think it's great. It's all it's all good stuff for everybody. So let's let's talk a little bit more about about your specific program. You know, what what are the services that you offer? Um, are you are you looking at specifically the ranch horse or their disciplines that you work with? What's the approach for hot tamale horsemanship? Right now, primarily, I'm doing uh, colt starting. I do take in quite a few, you know, older horses that just need legged up or, you know, kind of marketing horses if people want to sell them. I'm not real big into the performance world. You know, that's kind of not the direction I want to go. You know, I'm more for building a good foundation and a partnership with that horse. You know, if they want to take that elsewhere and go into competition with it later on, um, that don't bother me a bit. But to me, I want to set that horse up for success and get him just a willing partner and set a good foundation on him. And then, you know, they can kind of take him from there. But knowing that I did everything in my power I could to help that horse out, get a fresh start, you know, build that trust in him and help people along the way. I'm doing this horsemanship for a living. You know, I that's what I'm passionate about. But I'm trying to help people just as much as I am with my horses. A lot of my videos and stuff I post, I try to explain what I'm doing, but I kind of put it into perspective a little bit in the comments, you know, of how you can relate that particular deal that I'm working on in my videos, how you could relate that to your life in general. Um, you know, if you're having some issues with whatever, you know, kind of make you think outside the box just a little bit. Yeah. And I think, I think in my time working with horses, I'm a lot more patient. I think I'm a lot more level-headed, right? I don't get too high when things are great and I don't get too down when things aren't. Right. And there's so many life lessons to be learned from a horse. I mean, you know, patience, kindness, firmness, fairness, respect, right? All of those things are things that benefit a human being. If you take a step back and find the applicable approach from working with a horse to to your daily life. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like I say, I, you know, I had that, that temper that would just fly off the handle. You know, I remember one time specifically I was changing the oil in my pickup and I had a, my dog come up running up underneath and I don't remember hit the oil pan or something, dumped a bunch of oil. And I think the dog was chasing a cat or something stupid like that and just spilt the oil on the floor. didn't even spill it on me and just spilt it on the floor. And I, you know, come unwound and I jumped up and I kicked the dog and, you know, and just looking back on that kind of stuff to where I was, then to where I am now and how big a change that's made 
just by taking a step back and, you know, how I can respond to that instead of just, you know, blow up and react. And I think, you know, that's what I really try to portray in this horsemanship is to, you know, help the people out as much as I am the horse, you know, give them an understanding of, of why you're doing things and how to go about them differently. If it's not working, you know, and just, you know, try different options. Don't just fly off the handle and keep failing at it. Take a step back and, you know, think it through a little bit more. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that I think people, I do not think people are malicious in their approaches to horses. I just don't think people are necessarily as educated as they think they are, you know, and that's, you could sit back and watch somebody mishandle a horse or or create some kind of issue and you could bad mouth them or or talk down, you know, behind their back or whatever, you know, why not, why not make the effort if you do have the skill set and you do have the relationship with the individual to try to try to help them grow a little bit, right? Invest yourself and your skills and your experiences in the next man. And I think that's the greatest part about a lot of this stuff is it, you know, we all, I, I learn from every single guest that I have on this show and I will learn from everybody that I deal with for the rest of my horse career. Um, and I think that's the exciting part about this community and, and, and people working with horses and it's specifically for us, right? This Western industry. For sure. You know, down, I, I did that clinic here a couple weeks ago and it was a, a ranch open clinic the first day. And then the second day was a horsemanship clinic. And I, I learned a lot there. Um, probably more so of what not to do than to do, you know, being my first one, uh, nervous and it, it went good, but definitely I learned a lot from it. Um, but I had one lady there in particular that she had asked me what she could do with her horse. Her horse was kind of chargy and kind of wanting to run away. And I had a horse of a buddies of mine that was the perfect candidate to show her how I'd fix this. And I thought, oh, this is going to be perfect. And so I kind of trying to explain her, you know, how I'd go about it. And she just had a, a reason or excuse of why that didn't work. And it first started out is that she didn't have time to correct that right away and she just wanted to be able to get on and go and you know i'm trying to say it in the most polite way yeah but it doesn't work like that (laughs) right (laughs) and trying to say it in the most polite way like you know it might take an hour right now and then you know the next time it might be 45 minutes half hour 15 minutes and eventually you're going to get to that point but it's going to take that time that dedication and understanding of how to fix it and she had asked on three different occasions how she could fix it. And I'd try, you know, telling her the same thing every time, but rewording it, thinking maybe I can trick her into paying just a little bit more attention to trying to what I'm getting across. And she kind of got to where she just kind of shutting me out and not listening anymore. And, you know, then I'm like, okay, if that's what you want to do, have at it. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm a top hand by any means. And I told that right from the very start that, you know, I'm not the, guy that's going to tell you this is the way you got to do it is how you got to do it this is stuff that i've learned and i've studied that has worked well for me um i'm just trying to give you kind of another tool to put in your tool bag you know exactly and and so when she's just kind of shutting me out you know i'm not going to force my opinion on her i just said okay and you know kind of left it at that and you know let her let her do whatever she thought she needed to do to get that horse fixed and you know i think that's a big thing is is the human has such has such an ego to to try to be better than that next person or be smarter than that horse 
But if you kind of humble yourself up a little bit and just take a step back and try to learn from somebody, you can go leaps and bounds with that. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. But that's the tough part, right? It's because it's hard innate, innately. It's difficult for the human being to admit that they're wrong. Exactly. Or they don't know, right? Or they're less than intelligent or less than competitive or less than athletic, right? Exactly. But I think it goes back to the teaching standpoint, right? Of fostering and fostering confidence and encouraging individuals rather than trying to be the superior as the clinician, right? And the subordinate as the student. Absolutely. Good stuff. So so what are what are some of the plans for Hot Tamale in 2019? I know we're in the very early parts of the year and and people's schedules are kind of unfolding as we go, but but what are the goals? Where are you going? Where will you be? Um, right now I'm planning on going back out to Dushnaz here in the next week or so. Um, I've got a handful of colts up there yet, and then some of theirs I'm riding. I've got some here at home. Um, I'm going to kind of travel, travel back and forth, working on all those. And then in March, I plan on being down by Athens, Georgia for a month or so. Um, got some colts lined up to start down there and a few older horses to ride. Uh, I'm going to try putting on some clinics down there, kind of in the process of getting some of those organized. And other than that, for right now, just kind of riding horses and live the dream. And towards the end of every show, I like to give guests the opportunity to kind of sell themselves. Uh, for those of, of, excuse me, for those listeners that are interested in your horsemanship program, where can they find you? Social media outlets or websites, email, anything like that? Um, I have my my business page on Facebook is just Hot Tamale Horsemanship. Or, you know, I post a lot of the same stuff on my personal page, too. I also have Instagram. I post a lot on there. I don't have a website just yet. That's kind of in the works. We're going to try getting that set up here before too long. But right now, it's just kind of social media stuff with Facebook and Instagram right now. As I'm saying, with the way social media is these days, it's almost pointless to have a website. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of, you know, I've been putting it off for a while, and I just, I'd like to get one out just to get one more spot out there that someone can run across me and see if they like it. But uh, yeah, with Facebook, it's just, it's really blown up. And I can't believe, you know, I had a lady from Kentucky here not too long ago want to bring a horse up. And it's just unreal to me that... The reach. You know, absolutely. It's incredible. It absolutely is incredible. So one of the things I like to do in closing is is offer the guest, every guest, the opportunity to kind of leave listeners with uh, final words or or life lessons learned or things that you think would be advantageous for the next person maybe traveling in your journey and things that things that you think might help them out? I guess one thing that I really try to, I tell myself every day, it's kind of my slogan for hot tamale horsemanship is don't seek perfection, seek improvement. And it just kind of means, you know, don't, don't expect to be great right off the bat, do good. And then tomorrow do better. And then the next day do great. You know, just keep, you know, don't ever expect it to be perfect. You know, try getting it better and better each day. And, you know, with Dushnaz, that's really, really helped me out with, you know, striving for success. And they talk a lot about lifemanship and really just to always strive to do better. You know, don't settle for anything. And no matter how good you think you got it, I'll promise you, you can get it better. Yeah. I really like that lifemanship approach that you talk about. You know, there's so many, so many parallels between the horse and the human that it's a, it's an awesome little coin phrase they got going. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and they, they offer a, 
program. They're on an Indian reservation here in South Dakota, and it's called Project Help. And that's what they really strive on. It's a bunch of youth kids, um, Native American kids mostly. And, you know, they teach a lot about, you know, lifemanship and self-respect and self-confidence and, you know, kind of giving them an opportunity to, you know, get them a good start right off the bat and build them up. And it's it's a nonprofit organization that, you know, I got to help here earlier this fall with a ranch open clinic with a bunch of those kids. And, you know, it was it was super cool to see that at the end that a lot of these kids couldn't even build a loop when we started. And by the time they were done, we had them dallying onto a saddle horn. And I just couldn't believe how much they had progressed. But at the end of it, there was a handful of kids that stood up and wanted to thank us for for everything that we had done and everything they had learned. And, you know, for a kid at that age, you know, to just stand up like that and to be sincere, you know, that was one of the most heartwarming deals I've ever had the chance to be involved in, you know, and, and, you know, that's what we're, we're trying to do with the horses and everybody. We want everyone to, you know, feel comfortable enough to do that and be appreciative and just thankful for what, what opportunities they've been given. Yeah. It had to have been an incredible experience for everybody. Oh yeah. It was, it was cool. Well, J.D., you got one heck of a story and in a roundabout way to the horse, and I think that's the interesting thing about all these guests is that we all come from different walks of life and we all walk a different path, but somehow we all end up with the horse and there's so many life lessons learned, and, and I'm excited for Hot Tamale in 2019 and, and what you got going and, and your growth and development. We're looking forward to future conversations with you, but in closing, I just want to thank you for setting a little time aside and sharing with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I I really appreciate it. All right, J.D., you have a good one. We'll talk to you later. Yes, sir. You too. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.